Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. I get to go to I get to go to a lot of different churches and a lot of different places and, and speak and, and that's a blessing. But you know it's different when you when you come in somewhere and you everybody knows you. You know <laughs> it's just different. You know I I got I got to see y'all uh, the the churches I get to go to. I may not see them for several years. But anyway, I want to first of all I I, I was thinking this morning uh, several years ago. As I was trying to calm the butterflies in my stomach, several years ago, Pastor met me in the parking lot and gave me a little black book. And if you ever see him coming towards you with a little black book, you better run. <laughs> but anyway, I was thinking, you know, uh, he, he told me one time. He said, "God, God chose you. He could have chose anybody, but He chose you." So I, that kind of that kind of helped me kind of get calmed down this morning. He chose me this day. And I want to pray real quick. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this opportunity to, to stand here, Lord. And Father, thank you that you chose me this day. And uh, I thank you for my church family. And God, I pray as I speak, God, that the words will be yours. And uh, God, you'll just hide me behind your cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The Gideons are a group of men. Let me get my notes out here. A group of men who have well, good standing in our communities, and and you know we we we're basically kind of an extended arm of our local churches. Uh, today, there are about 20 churches in our area that are getting the same spiel y'all are going to get. But uh, and 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna you know ask you to prayerfully consider to donate to the Gideons. But more than that, I ask you to pray for us. Because you, you see, I, I don't think the money matters. We're, 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 our church is a testimony to that. The money doesn't matter. The money will come. The money will come. It'll come to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. So, more than anything, I ask you to pray for us. You all know we get to hand out the little New Testaments and in school. The little, y'all are familiar with them. The little New Testaments. So, we place Bibles in motels, hospitals, and you know. Our main purpose is to get the Word of God out to people, to get people saved, to get people to know Christ. And as I was thinking about what I was going to talk about today, I, you know, one, one way we always, we always talk about numbers. You know, we always like to say, you know, well, we handed out X amount of Bibles this year. We gave X amount of Bibles out. But I, I just began to pray, and the Lord said, you know, it's not about the number. It's about the one. It's about the one. And so, as I was thinking about the one, I just, I couldn't help but say, you know, I began to think about part of being a Gideon is being an example. Every day. Making a conscious effort every day to be an example for Christ. And so many times I think I think we skip over that. I think I think we more concentrate more on how many people came up here and give their lives to Christ on Sunday morning, but we forget about Monday through Saturday. And and you know, 
What? So many times we see people come, we, they give their life to Christ, they get baptized, and they disappear. They just disappear. And I can't help but wonder, are they, what are they seeing in us Monday through Saturday? Pastor talks about it all the time. It's not how high you jump. It's how straight you walk when you land. How, how straight are we walking? So, you know, I just couldn't help think about that example part, you know. And like I said, I'm not going to talk much about the Gideons. Y'all know the Gideon spiel. We, we, we got a goal. We, we want to win people to Christ. We distribute Bibles, and we covet your prayers. We covet your donations because essentially we're all part of the church, just an extended arm of the church. But I want to talk to you about an example in the Bible today. And some of you may have never heard of him, but I want to talk to you about Shamgar. How many of you heard of Shamgar? Shamgar is mentioned twice in the Bible, in the book of Judges. Let's stand for the reading of God's word, please. It's in Judges chapter 3, verse 31, and then we're going to turn over to chapter 5 and verse 6. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goat. And he also delivered Israel. And over in chapter 5, verse 6, it says, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted, and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reading of your word. And I pray, God, as your word says it, your word is going to accomplish what, therefore, what you send it. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard, I heard a preacher talk about this one time in a little revival of the church above my house. His name was Brother Gerald Crabb. You, I'm sure you heard of him, the Crabb family. Well, he's the main Crabb. And, 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 and he preached on Shamgar, and, and he, he began to explain about Shamgar and an ox goad. Do you know what an ox goad is? Paul talks about the goads, you know, but, but an ox goad is a a, a long rod about six to eight feet with a sharp point on one end and a spade on the other end. And he, and, and he, get, he said, you know, Shamgar was more than likely a farmer. And Shamgar was probably in the field and he was probably plowing. And here come the Philistines. Let me back up just a second. In those days, when the Philistines showed up, you see Israel was in a state that they were they were suffering because of disobedience in that time because they disobeyed God. Well, in those days when the Philistines showed up, uh, if you study and read about it, you'll see that, man, when they came and they came to your place, they, they took everything you had. They, they did bad things to your women. They, they said that they even would kill your babies. You know, it was just a bad time. And the Bible says it. Life, village life ceased. Ceased. Life as we know it in our communities, it, wasn't, it didn't happen. People were scared. They hid. So this preacher was talking about what Shamgar did. And, but anyway, he finished preaching, and I couldn't quit thinking about Shamgar. I said, wow, you know, Shamgar. Well, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't quit thinking about what he did. So several days later, I was praying, and, and I was praying about Shamgar. I said, Lord, you're trying to tell me something. I said, what is it? And, and, and he said, what did Shamgar do? You know, the thing he didn't do, he didn't run back to the house and say, honey, y'all hide. Huh? 
He, did, he didn't run back to the house and say, hide the kids. Shamgar was ready. So Shamgar was prepared. Shamgar was a man of God, Justin. Huh? Shamgar knew his word. Had God's word hidden in his heart. Wow. So anyway, I began to think about men today. And I began to think about that example that we're all called to be, just not just Gideons, but all of us men. And I began to think, those men are falling short. We're, we're lacking. Men, I'm talking to us men today. You see, God intended for us to be the leaders of our house. He, he intended for us to be leaders in our community, in our homes, in our churches. And, and, and when men kind of cower back from their responsibilities, bless your heart, you ladies, rise up. And I thank you for that. But it's not your job. You're overloaded a lot of times. Because us men are not doing what we're supposed to do. Pastors has been on mighty men of valor. You know, uh, men were falling short. And I don't know. I just don't know. But. So, I know what we're lacking. We're lacking the Word of God. We're, we're, lacking, we're lacking that time every day. You know, we're lacking. And I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you, how many, how many men in here spend time every day in God's Word? How many men in here spend time in prayer every day? And I'm not talking about hours. I'm talking about 10, 15 minutes, 30 minutes a day. So just think to yourself, how many men do that? And I wanted to, all of them, you got a picture for me? My wife's familiar with this picture. That Bible, I'm going to kind of get back to God's Word a minute, the power of it. That Bible, you know, in our Gideon presentations, we're supposed to share testimonies, and most of the testimonies are, you know, of people way off, but I kind of like to keep it where local, so to speak. But that Bible, my sister-in-law uh, <clears throat> parked a car one night, and that Bible was in the back. I think they went to bed and woke up to a noise, and her car was on fire. Car completely destroyed tire, the, the, the rubber melted off the wheels. Everything in the car melted. The Bible was in the back back there. I mean everything. Nothing but the metal frame left. Well that Bible was in that car. That Bible. The power of the Word of God. Man. That's what that's what we men are lacking. You know, that's what we're lacking. And, 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 I, and I begin to think about that Bible. And you know, and I begin to think about how much we need it inside of us. And I begin to think about husbands and not doing what we're supposed to. And you know, in in First Peter chapter three, it talks about husbands honoring your wives. And it says, if you don't honor your wife the way God intended, that your prayers may be hindered. I mean, a lot of times we may be praying for naught if we're not doing the other things we're supposed to. God's not going to hear your prayer if you're not following through with the rest of the stuff. So, 
I was just thinking, and I began to think more about Shamgar in that Bible. I said, man, oh, Shamgar, he had something inside of him. He had something in him, deep in him. And I couldn't help but think that maybe old Shamgar had remembered what Moses said in the book of Deuteronomy about the blessings and the cursing, about, about the blessings of serving God and about the curses of disobeying God. Maybe he had that hid in his heart. Maybe he heard, maybe he remembered the word that Moses told Joshua and the rest of the Israelites. says, your enemies will come against you one way, but they're going to run from you seven ways. Man, he had something in him. He had something in him. And see, that's what us men are lacking. That's what we're lacking. We're lacking that something that's inside of us that comes from that word, the word of God. That's what we're lacking. And you know... <laughs> And maybe, maybe during this quiet time, he, God told Shamgar, he said, Shamgar, I'm going to speak to my prophet Isaiah down the road and say that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Huh? So maybe old Shamgar, when he saw the Philistines coming, he said, hey, I got it. Honey, you take care of the kids. They okay. Y'all going to be fine. I got it. Me and God's got it. Because he had something inside of him. That's what we're lacking, men. If you don't believe we're lacking, just, just look around. I mean, look, look in your communities and look in your schools and look and just look. How many single-parent homes do you see, you know? How many churches do you see all the women doing all the work? Huh? How many homes do you see women making all the decisions, you know? God called you to honor your wife. And those of you not married, you can be thinking about it. God called you to honor your wife. He called you to be a man of God and to honor your wife, to study his word, to get it inside of you, and to learn about him and have a relationship with him. That's why Shamgar was able to do what he was able to do. 600 guys with an ox goat. Honey, I got this. Don't worry. You see, Shamgar lived in a time kind of, I was thinking about his time compared to our time. There's, there's a lot of things going on today. There's a lot happening in our world. There's a lot happening to our kids, you know. Maybe, just maybe we should be men and come home and say, hey, it's Sunday night. Turn that Yellowstone crap off. Turn Fox News off. You know, you got to be a man. You got to step up. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to me too. I'm, I'm just as guilty as all. But it's time to step up. It's time to be that man God called you to be. And you can't do it without the Word of God inside of you. And uh, as I was thinking about, <laughs> thinking about old Shamgar, man, the time he must have spent, and just you know, I was thinking he he just had just a little bit. And we got this whole book. This whole living word. This whole book. Gosh, we got Jesus. We got the author and the finisher of our faith. Huh? We got the anchor. Thank you. The anchor. And I was thinking about that old song, you know, that old song, The Anchor Holds. Oliver, can you put that Bible back up, please? I got, I, I got some revelation about that Bible I just want to share. I, I, I was walking the other Thursday morning, and I kept thinking about that Bible. About, I said, Lord, what, what, what you trying to tell me about that Bible? 
it's burnt up, man. It's, it looks bad. I was walking for daylight the other morning in the dark. He had my light on. He said, son, he said, quit worrying about the outside of that Bible. He said, what's on the inside of that Bible is what sustained the outside of that Bible. Man. And he, taught, he said it was just plain as day. What's on the inside of that Bible will sustain you. It'll hold you up. What's, what's the verse in Isaiah says? I believe it's Isaiah 43. It says, uh, but now know this, says, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Your Savior. Men, it's time to get that inside of you. You see, oftentimes, oftentimes our spiritual life is a lot like a lot of folks getting married. You know, we, we, we come and we get saved and we go through all the motions. We, we get up here and we, we do a little jig and we raise our hand and, and we give God everything on the outside, but we don't give him what's on the inside, our heart. And our marriage is a lot of times the same way. We, we exchange rings. Everybody, I got a ring. I'm married. You're married on the outside, but you forget to give your spouse your heart. So when hell comes against your family, you can't be like old Shamgar and say, Honey, I got this. Just stay back. You run. What are we going to do? Hide the kids. Do that. Do this. Be a mighty man of God. Step up. That's all you got to do. Get in his word. Spend time. Every day, be consistent. It takes a conscious effort to be consistent. Husbands, wives, be consistent. You know, when, back in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, it talked about God was telling Eve what she was going to go through. She said, your desire will be for your husband. The husband's desire will be the Lord over the wife. Beginning of the battle of sexes. Before, before a little child ever knows she's going to have a husband or he's going to have a wife, they already know they want to control, control them. That's what the Bible says. They're born with that instinct. It takes a conscious effort every day to be a man of God. It doesn't take anything to just walk the way of the world. It doesn't take anything just to roll with the punches, to let the world tell you what your kids deserve or what they need. How, how they need, they have as much many rights as you do. Uh-huh, I know. But anyway, I won't go there because, but what I'm saying is, if you listen to what the world says, that's why our families are in such, by such a mess. Just a mess, man. Because we listen to what everybody else says and not by what God says. We forgot to give God our hearts. I, was, I mentioned that old song earlier about the anchor, you know. And, and, you know, it says, though the ship is battered and the sails are torn, but the anchor holds. Yeah. It says, but the anchor holds. Man. The savor of my soul, Jesus. The anchor holds. 
when everything else comes against you, the anchor's going to hold. But you got to have it inside of you. It's more than just it's more than just coming to church on Sunday. It's more than just saying and doing all the right things and dancing the jig and hooping and hollering. It's about that everyday walk. It's about every day. Get up, do the right thing in every situation. That's what it's about. And then people, because people are watching. I promise you they're watching. Little ones, big ones, they're watching you. They say, well, old Tad, he goes to church. They wait for me to mess up. I guarantee you they are. <laughs> I get called out sometimes. I thought you was a church man. <laughs> well, I mess up too, y'all. <laughs> but, but I'm convicted of it when I do, you know, and, and, and I repent. You know, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you I mess up a lot. And, but, uh, hey, they wait to call you out. They don't, they don't say much about when you do good, you know. They don't say a whole lot about that. But well, you, you fool around and step out of line just a little bit. As my dad say, you say, step out of the traces a little bit. They're going to call you out. Oh, Tad, yeah, he's a church man. He just messed up. Yeah, I did. Praise Jesus. Hey, that's the Gideon message. That's what, that's what we try to get out. And uh, there's a principle. As I was studying about Shamgar, there's a principle that goes along with it. It's called the Shamgar Principle. And it simply says, start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. Start today. Start right now. You don't have to memorize all the scripture in the world. You don't have to be able to quote scripture like some people can. Good gracious, I can't quote it. I, just, I can remember John 3.16, and I can remember Jesus wept. That's about it, sincerely. But I tell you what, when I hear somebody say something that contradicts what I've been putting inside of me, hey, Holy Spirit, let me know. And I can go look it up and say, hey, that's not right. huh? But the only way I can do that is because I have to put it in. I have to put it inside. Man, I know folks can quote it, but they can just, they, I, I'm scared to even say anything in front of them. I just be quiet. But that's not what God wants. He just wants you to study his word. If he wants you to remember it, you'll remember it. But I can promise you when the time comes, when the time comes for you to be quickened, he will quicken you. I promise you. Start where you are. Use what you have. Do what you can. Do what you can every day. Every day you get up, do what you can to be that example that Jesus Christ calls you to be, that ambassador for him. Every day. Seven days a week, not just on Sunday. That's the message. That's the message, the Gideon message. But it should be all our message. It should be for all of us to make us men Mighty men of valor to lead our families, to be examples in our church, to, to, to have people to come up to you and ask you to pray for. You know, that's one thing. I, I, a pastor, I know you have people all the time ask you to pray. Well, I just told you a while ago I can't remember Scripture, and I usually can't remember who asked me to pray. So what I've started doing is wherever they at, 
that they asked me to pray on the phone, in the dollar store. We pray. Right then, right there. I got mine covered. Rest is up to you, God. I know you can because you said you can. You know? So that kind of stuff is what, and I'm not saying I'm a mighty man of valor, but I'm saying I have the spirit of the living God living inside of me. And I have to do what I have to do because I can't remember 15 or 20 minutes. You see? I'm doing what works for me. So I'm saying you do what works for you. But whatever you do, get this word inside of you. Get, get this power of this word inside of you. And what's on the inside of this word will uphold you just like it upheld that Bible. You know, you may be bruised up. You may be sore. But I promise you, you'll be okay. And whatever happens, that peace of God that surpasses all understanding will dwelleth in you. Praise God. Huh? Praise God. I told somebody, I said, dying ain't the end of the world. They looked at me like I was crazy one time. They said, what? I said, yeah. Dying ain't the worst thing in the world. At some point, I got to believe what I say I believe. Huh? You know? I won't get into that either. But uh, I want to read one more scripture out of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 16. It said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Oh, Shamgar had it in him. He had God's word in him. He was ready. He was ready. He didn't have to look back. He knew what was fixed to take place. He knew whatever came his way, he can handle it through the power of God. That's where we got to get. We got to get that in us. That's the Gideon message. That's the message we try to get out. Pastor, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brother Tad. Thank you for that word. You know, the book of Psalms, talking about the word of God, Psalm 119, says that the word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It also says that I will hide your word within my heart that I might not sin against you. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. 
that it cuts to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about that the world as we know it was framed by the Word of God. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but not one word of that Bible is going to pass away. You see in the book of Genesis, the first thing that God created was light. Because light dispels darkness. And the word of God is the only power that can dispel the darkness in your life. See, there's power in the Word of God. There's power when we speak the Word of God, when we declare the Word of God. Because when a child of God, born again by the blood of Jesus, begins to declare, thus saith the Lord, things will move. And I know there are people this morning that say, well, the Bible is just a bunch of fairy tales fables and stories, and it has no value. Well, out of the 66 books of the Bible, starting from Genesis and going through Revelation, everything lines up, line upon line and precept upon precept. The prophecies in the Bible are unmatched by any other source. Their fulfillment is unmatched by any other so-called prophecy. Why? Why is that? Why do we have the opportunity today to sit and listen to the Word and hold the Bible in our hands? When there are people that are across this world that will give their lives to just get one page of the book that you and I have the opportunity to read every day. Several years ago, Judy and I went on a mission uh, a missions trip, and we were at the airport. I think we were in Miami or somewhere, fixing to take an out-of-country flight. Judy went through the, the check, baggage check, and I had a, a backpack on, and I had, as a matter of fact, I think I had this Bible in my backpack. And I laid it on the thing, and it went through, and something began to beep, and got out on the other side, and the guy looked at me, and he said, do you have any metal objects in your backpack? I said, no, I don't. He said, do you have any knives or anything in your backpack? And I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, do you have any weapons of any kind in your backpack? And I said, no, sir. What more do you want me to say, fella? 
I ain't got nothing. So he took my backpack and he ran it through the the uh, machine again, and it beeped again. And he asked me again. He said, "Are you sure there's nothing metal in your in your backpack?" And I said, "No." I said, "To my knowledge, there is no weapons in my backpack. There are no metal objects in my backpack." So they took my backpack. Pulled it off to the side. Judy was standing on the other end down there saying, I don't know who this is. This, you know. And so they started emptying my backpack out, taking everything out of it, looking through it. And I said, sir, I said, what's going on? I said, there's nothing in my backpack. He turned the screen around and he said, this is the image that came up. When your backpack. It was the image of a sword, a knife that was in my backpack. Here's the thing before we left, we prayed. Because we knew where we were going was a very dark place. So before we left, we prayed. And the word that was given to us is that God's given you a sword. And lives are going to be changed by the power of the word of God. So many times I've seen the sword at work in our lives. Amen. Amen. So here's what I want to do. I want to I want to follow what Brother Tad has said, and I know. You might be nervous and say, oh, my goodness, he's fixing to preach. It would be 12, 31 o'clock again. But I want, here's what I want to do. Because he talked about men. He talked about men standing up, and we have been talking about men of valor. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know today that as hard as our world tries, and as hard as uh, as people try to redefine and rewrite the family institution, God created the family. He created the man. The man is not supposed to dominate, control, manipulate, dishonor his wife. God created the man to love and to honor his wife. He created the man to be a covering for not only his wife but his children. He created the man to be one that would stand up and lead the family. We know how our government, how how society has tried to rewrite and redefine all that. We understand that. That doesn't mean the church 
has to listen to the redefinition of family. And so I know because I'm pastor, I know this morning how the enemy comes against your family. I know how he comes against the men. I know how he comes against the men of this church. I know the battles that you fight. I know the warfare. I don't know all the details about it. I don't sit in your living room. But I do know that the enemy is doing everything he can to discredit the men, to discredit their ministry, and to discredit the family. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want some men and their wives that will stand up and say, you know what? It ain't going to happen in my home. There's no greater blessing today than to live in a home where a father and a mother come together in agreement in serving the Lord and worshiping him. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. I know this is a little bit different. But I just want to be obedient. I don't want to move past something that God wants to do. So worship team, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to get ready to sing this morning. And I want to ask you this this morning. What is the condition of your home? What is the relationship between you and your spouse? Do you know how to honor each other? Do you know how to honor your wife? Do you know how to honor your husband? Do you know how to know how to love them unconditionally? And you say, "Well, pastor, they don't honor me." That's not what I'm asking. You see, you can't honor somebody based on how they honor you. You can't even love somebody based upon how they love you in return. You might can if you're not saved. But the biblical picture for a husband and wife is that I don't love my wife because she loves me. I don't honor her because she honors me. The biblical mandate for the husband is that we love our wives because that's what God has called us to do. We honor each other because that's what God has called us to do. You see, this morning, I asked that question today. 
because Brother Tad brought it out. He said, you have to be careful about what goes on in your family, in your marriage, because if you're not careful, a lack of obedience to God's word will hinder your prayers. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. I told you I'm not going to preach. I'm just teaching, okay? I'm just teaching. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. Been there. I'm not ashamed of it. But I, I can tell you, me and Judy have not always honored each other. When we first started in ministry, we'd fight like cats and dogs on our way to church. I am a pastor. But you see, I came to realize that it doesn't matter. We would fight like cats and dogs and get to church, and I've said this before, drive up in the parking lot, be fussing each other, open the door on the car, and step out on holy ground and have a holy smile. Everybody say, whoop, Brother Cornelius, how you doing, man? I am doing well. I'm blessed. while we was holding our hands walking into the church. Amen. I'll say what you're thinking. Say, Pastor, you are a hypocrite. And yes, we were. But here's the thing. I think, methinks, that most every marriage goes through that process. That most every, most every marriage goes through the process of where you're having to set God in the middle of your home. And listen, when you set Jesus in the middle of your home, it's going to cause some repercussions around. Don't think you're going to just walk in your home and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the devil's going to run. It's going to cause some repercussions. But what you've got to do is you've got to be intentional about understanding biblical marriage and establish that in your home. Judy and I had to learn that we can't go by our feelings. We have to go by our faith. And I have to love her and honor her and cover her. Anything outside of that, I am stepping out of God's will. 
So here's what I want to do. Guys, you want to see revival? You want to see God move in your home? Make up your mind today. I don't care how my husband treats me. I don't care how he dishonors me. I don't care how my wife treats me. I don't care how she dishonors me. Listen, because at the end of the day, your spouse is going to stand before God on how they directed their marriage and their relationship with you. But you will also stand. So here's the thing. It doesn't matter what you say. doesn't matter what you think about me. doesn't matter if you honor or dishonor me. But I am going to stand and I am going to do what God has called me to do. And watch God bless. Watch God move in your home. Watch Him set things right in your home. I always, y'all got a song? I'm going to say this. I'm going to stop. Always remember this story because it has such an impact on my life. It was my Sunday school teacher when I was pre-teens. And she was a woman of God. I mean, she was such a strong woman of God. And I remember she she always wore her hair up in a big old bun on the top. And she loved me, and I don't know why, but she loved me because I was I was a mean PK. I mean, I was I was mean, but she loved me. But anyway, she prayed for her husband. She had a husband that was a drunk. She had a husband that that did everything he could to rebel against God. But she prayed for him. She brought him to the altar spiritually and prayed, God, save my husband. God, save my husband. And he, I mean, he just, he absolutely would not come to church, would not have anything to do with God, but she kept praying. And I will never forget the Sunday night that he walked into the church and gave his life to the Lord. God redeemed him. But you know why he walked into the church? Because his wife was praying. And that evening, he loaded up and went to the river and was going to meet some friends at the river. And they were going to stay all night on the river. But for some reason, his friends didn't show up that night. And he said, I was sitting on a sandbar by myself. And he said, it was the blackest night I have ever seen. He said, darkness. You could just feel the darkness. And he said, I've spent years and years on the river. 
He said, but that night there was a fear that came over me. And he said, it was to the point that I didn't even gather my stuff up. I got in the boat, went to my truck. And he said, when I got in my truck, he said, I knew there was only one place that I needed to go. And that was the church. And he walked in the church and gave his life to the Lord. <clears throat> See, now here's the thing. Doesn't matter how you're treated. The point is, are you doing what God has asked you to do? Are you being the man that God's called you to be? Are you being the woman that God's called you to be? So here's the thing. As they sing this morning, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to do something bold. To step out of your seat. If you've got your spouse with you, if you will, just get them by the hand. And I want you to bring them down to the altar. And I want you to make a commitment to the Lord this morning that says this. God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to honor my wife. I'm going to honor my husband. In spite of everything that the world would throw, I'm going to honor my family. I'm going to be the leader. I'm going to be the leader that will lead them to a relationship with Christ.